Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Chosen and Treasured podcast. My name is Charlotte, and I'm here with my mother, Manita, as usual. Mom, if you want to say hello. Hello, everyone. We've missed you all, but we're back. Yes, we are back and we are continuing with Mom's Testimony. If you guys have not listened to the last episode of Mom Sharing Her Childhood, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to that first because obviously with the testimony, everything is pieced together and all of the details matter. So I would highly suggest you all go back and listen to that. But um, today we're just going to continue where mom last left off. I believe that she was going into her teenage hood or she had hinted at that. So um, yes. mom, I questions for you, just like I did last time. But with okay. the first one, it's not really just a question, just wherever the Lord leads you to start off at. Do you want to start by just telling, you know, whatever details you want to share first about your teenage hood? Well, before I get into that, I first want to just say this when opportunity for those of you listening to this podcast go back and listen to our previous episode that basically sheds light on my childhood um, and I think that it's going to give you some insight to understand my testimony because it's kind of like a testimony to all of the goodness and the glory and the blessings that God has just really uh, done and done for me um, and my family. And so um, going into speaking about my my childhood um, was a blessing, but also going into my teenagehood now is also a blessing. I'm glad that I'm able to share it. And my daughter, Shariel, and I, we prayed about it and, and I'm going to let the Lord lead me. I first want to say if ever my parents and my family listen to this podcast, um, know that everything that is in love. It's said in love and it's said in honesty. And it's this testimony is used and spoken of to get someone else to be set free in Jesus name. Amen. Um, my parents did the best they could um, to my knowledge, to my understanding, because they were young. My mom had me when she was 15 years old. And uh, my dad and her, um, uh, they're they're very close in age and they did the best that they could and they too came from families like the typical you know black families they came from poverty um and their families you know just dealt with dealt with their situations to the best of their ability um a lot of kids you know and and not enough money um but that was the environment so with that being said this is my teenagehood my teenagehood what it looks like um I left off in the last podcast talking about um, how God saved my dad from committing suicide. And my parents moved around a lot um, because it was us five children. I'm the oldest of the five. Um, I have three sisters and one brother. Um, but we always took in and cared for cousins of us. So at any time, it could be seven of us. It could be eight of us. Um, but we always had um, a couple of our cousins living with us because we had relatives that were not in the condition um, to care for their children, um, our cousins. Um, and so therefore, my mom and my dad took it upon themselves to uh, take in, you know, our relative cousins. So 
um, we moved around a lot. And even when we, um, you know, we moved from the suburbs, you know, I remember being in the, the eighth grade. Um, I'll share this testimony uh, or this this part here. I remember be going into the seventh slash eighth grade. I was in between grades, um, getting ready to go into, from one to another. And I remember us moving to, um, from the suburbs, uh, Riverdale, and we moved to, you know, Chicago. And, and it was the projects literally where I forget the name of them, but my parents had to leave a lot of uh, furniture and stuff. And we just had to work with what we had. They both were working and trying to make ends meet. And I remember getting to this, this uh, apartment, all concrete walls, brick walls and stuff, and um, getting in, in the place where I could have my own room. And, and I cleaned the floors with bleach. And, you know, I made my bed, you know, it, it I stacked it, the, the bed frame itself, I stacked it on top of... Uh, milk crates because that's what I had at the time. And um, I remember one day, not only just not liking going to the school that we were in because we were so different coming from the burbs and then coming into the city. And of course, you know, the schools are different. So you're made fun of because you know how to do certain things that the kids and the, the um, Chicago school district were not learning or didn't know how to do, such as writing very nice cursive. I was made fun of for doing that, um, saying, well, here was the, the deep part about all of it. It was really a frustrating experience because we had to go and, and get on the elevator. We stayed on the 14th floor. You know, the hallways were dirty and, you know, I would always the hallways always smelled like urine or whatever. And I remember one night I was going to sleep and I was looking out the window off the fourth out of the 14th floor window and I could see the expressway. I could see the baseball park from where we were or where we lived. And I just remember just feeling a whole, a huge sense of depression. I didn't know what it was at the time. I only can, can just say that at the time I thought it was just sadness because I didn't want to be there. And so, um, as I was looking out the window, I heard a soft whisper that said, you should just, you know, because the window was open. It was a nice night. It was breezy. You know, you could see all the city lights and stuff. And the baseball park was lit up. And you seen all the cars going back and forth. And it was a soft whisper that said, you should just jump. And... I'm looking out the window, I'm looking down, the breeze is coming in. And and then I heard it said, you should just jump. You should just jump. Go ahead and jump. You'll you won't even hurt yourself. You'll land on your feet. Everything will be okay. You can just jump and you won't have to deal with any of this. You can just get away from it. And so I literally just stepped back from the window and I remember having like a, a little bit of a breakdown and um, I went and I laid on my bed and I just started praying. And as the breeze was coming in and I was praying, I laid down because it was already past my bedtime. 
I remember laying down and I got such a peaceful night's rest. Um, and that that voice or that urge and that sadness, all of that way. And I was able to get a peaceful night's rest. And, and I forget what the next day looked like when I woke up and went to school, but it was, I didn't want to be there. And so that was part of my, that my parents were in a position that God would put them in the position so that we would be able to leave this place. Mm-hmm. And so um, I prayed that. And let me tell you, the, the beauty of it all is God heard my prayers then and he still hears them now. Because shortly after I said that prayer, I don't think that we were in that house or that apartment for more than another month and a half, maybe two months at the most. Mm-hmm. And we ended up moving out abruptly and again, having to leave some things behind. Um, and then we moved back to the suburbs. And of course, when we moved back to the suburbs, that's where we ended up staying. We moved around quite a bit. I, I really didn't make a lot of friends. My most solid school that I attended was Thornton High School. Um, and so, um, going through school, you know, going through, um, junior high was kind of a blur because I kind of, I always was one giving people advice or trying to conduct myself in an upstanding way. So I think that that was also something that kind of made me stand out a little bit. People really didn't bother me. Um, if I got into a confrontation, it was normally because, you know, I had siblings that went with me and they would get in trouble and then of course you don't let people beat up on your brother or sister so you have to step in and reason with people and defend your your family and stuff so um from time to time i had to do that but my 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 high school my high school years were really interesting because keep in mind as i said on the previous podcast that my family was um, now at this time, Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And it's no disrespect to religion. It's no disrespect to the organization. But being a teenager and being a Jehovah's Witness or coming up into a house um, under the organization, regardless of if we were taught morals and you know we were able to be upstanding and have values and all of that. Those things really did matter and they were important, but they were, uh, there were other things that affected me as a young person being in the organization that I always had to talk to God about. Mm -hmm. And so that being said, Shariel, I think you have a question for me in regards to that. Yes, my question for you was, was it more difficult being, you know, a teenage Jehovah's Witness? I know, like, you know, during your childhood, I think it's a little bit easier. But obviously, as a teenager, you grow up and you start to view things a little bit differently. So was it more difficult for you? Or did you find it to be kind of, um, did you find like anything wrong, I guess, would be the question? You know what, I I, I will say this. I feel like for me, in any bad situation, I'm always trying to make the best of it. Um, There were things that I didn't like that I just of it. 
Mm. I always firmly believe that when I prayed that God listened to my prayers and I believed in the Bible, I believe still do um, believe in the Bible, believe it's the written word of God. Um, but there were just certain rules, I would say, that were in place that made it uncomfortable. I mean, OK, fine. You know, there's certain things you can't do like, you you know, Anyone listening to it can disagree if they want, but I know what I lived and I know what the organization has taught. Um, we weren't into after school sports, mm-hmm. you know, and there were things that I wanted to do in after school sports. Mm-hmm. Um, to to think about going to college is frowned upon. It's, it's yeah. talked about and frowned upon. So that wasn't even an option for me to think of. Um, as far as dating and courting, you can't, necessarily date and court a bunch of different people you know if you're interested in someone you know you gotta you gotta be interested in that one and you know you have to have a chaperone and and if you up you know getting yourself in a situation where you fornicate you know you can find yourself outside of the organization kicked out of the organization um, because because you've committed this sin and it's it's going to be you uh, facing some other men, the men of the, the organization. Telling you whether or not, you know, you're sorry or not, when really that that's a conversation that needs to be had between you and God, you and Jehovah, you and Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, you and the Holy Spirit. Um, and so. It was just really tough. But what I did was I still witnessed to people. Witness means tell them about God. I still prayed. I I went to the meetings all the time. And so when I finally faced the challenge, one of my biggest fears were, um, what if I get in here and get baptized and then I do something wrong and I get kicked out? Well, well, it was said, oh, you're not going to you're not going to do that. Well, yeah, that that's what happened. And so, you know, you you can't really you can't really make this stuff up when you have your experience. It is what it is. You know, my experience was things that I thought was wrong actually were wrong, you know, in regards to the organization coming up as a young person, trying to understand what's going on with your body, what's going on with your life, you know. Uh, my parents and them trying to work out their marital um, difficulties. And I'm such, and have always been such a mature young person. Um, Even at that time, I was a mature young person. I'm a mature woman now, but um, I soul. And I would just try to do the best I could with the circumstances that I had. It was always a burning desire in me to do what's right to ability. I never liked when people had a problem with me. Um, if I had, if they had a problem, I wanted to rectify the problem. Let me f- figure it out. Let me try to fix it and see what's wrong. Let me make amends. But I think the the caveat in all of this is that I don't know how how much my family knew that I was praying mm. because when I had when I would be alone all the time, when I would be, um, you know, going to school or getting ready to face something, I would pray. 
you know, um, and it, the, the amazing thing about it is God has always answered my prayers. You know, I'll use this as an um, example. I had a situation where my math skills were not the best. Um, I had algebra one and two. Um, I was working a full-time job, you know, at Wendy's. You know, I'm working all these hours. I'm getting up early, going to school. I'm tired. I'm getting in late, three, four o'clock in the morning, then getting up at seven o'clock for school. You know, so I'm operating this little bit of time. I'm overworked. I'm contributing to my, my family's household financially. And I'm trying to keep it together. And then I meet who ends up being the father of my children, a man that I ended up marrying. Mm -hmm. And I know you're going to have a question for me with that, but let me just share this. When I ended up um, finding out that I was, you know, pregnant, I was at the very end of my senior year. And so I was facing graduation. I needed so many credits to pass. And I, and I remember being one credit away from either you're going to pass or you're going to be in here again and I graduate. And my prayer was so intense. I failed the, the test that I needed to pass, which was the algebra test. I, I failed it by two points. Mm -hmm. And I, I was so overwhelmed because I found out I was pregnant. God stopped me from aborting my son because he made everything fall apart the day before I was scheduled to get the abortion. The car wouldn't start. The, the money didn't come through. Um, you know, scheduling was off. You know, then one of one of uh, my boyfriend's friends at the time um, told his parents about it and told them what we were planning to do. And then everybody found out about it. So it was like a big a big load of a, a, a embarrassment or shame uh, when everything came out. But what was deep was as I was crying and feeling sad about it, because I thought, okay, man, I, I missed this by two points. I'm this credit short of graduating. I'm not going to graduate. And I was crying and praying. And I talked to the teacher and explained my situation and Lord and behold, she just, she knew I did my work throughout the year. And she told me, you go and take care of yourself. You're graduating. Praise God. And I was so taken back by it because I just, it was just devastating. I mean, I was having suicidal when I was pregnant. You know, I I was like, okay, I'm facing not graduating. I'm pregnant now. I'm getting kicked out of the organization. My family doesn't want to talk to me. Um, I can't really talk to my boyfriend. Um, it was just very difficult for me. I'm going to be a mom. I'm graduating from high school, but I'm graduating high school pregnant. You know, and it was it was a lot. It was a lot, but I was thankful and beyond thankful, I should say, 
um, that God heard me and that that teacher saw the effort that I put in and allowed me to have those two points so that I could I could go ahead and graduate. Mm-hmm. So I'll pause there because I know you have another question for me. Yes. So at that time, how did you meet your soon to be husband? So with me working at Wendy's all the um uh, I I saw um my soon to be husband. Uh he came in with some friends and I when I first I thought he was a jerk. Um <laughs> I thought it was a jerk because, uh, you know, I thought it was a show off because he was trying to impress his friends that he was with. And I was just like, this dude is a real clown. But um, he it was amazing because he ordered he ordered their food. And then um, I thought that would be the last that I would see of him. But then I came in like it was probably two weeks later. I came in and uh, I come to the back of the, the restaurant and here's this dude in here and he's looking at videos and I'm looking like, I hope they didn't just hire this clown. And so mm. come to find out, <laughs> come to find out they did hire him. So I was, was just not feeling it. So I think he could tell because I was just not friendly. And so I just got my stuff and put my, things up in my little cubby station and all that and got to work and they were asking me to show him certain things I wasn't really wanting to show anything I just thought he just couldn't you know do what I was doing I mean for God's sake it was Wendy's how hard is it to do fries and burgers I don't know but I felt like I was really doing something back then um (laughs) but uh he and I ended up becoming and uh, he ended up being a very good friend of mine. And sometimes I would need rides home and, and he would give me a ride home. And he was actually the first person that um, when my mom and I got into it and it was the dead of winter and I literally ran out of the house because she ripped me out of my, my shirt. And I ran out of the house and jumped off of a whole row of stairs or steps. Um, and I, it was the dead of winter. I had to wait till my dad came back home and literally, and this is again, how God, mm-hmm. because I was standing on the streets of Harvey with no shirt on just in my bra. And it was dead, like temperatures. And here I was outside. She wasn't going to let me back in. She was upset over a, a conversation that was of a deal and uh so lord and behold i wasn't out there for maybe 15 20 minutes and down the street comes this black sob and he's the only one in that that neighborhood that drives that car so when i see the headlights i was like oh no please don't let this be him please don't let this be him sure enough it was him And then I said, please don't let him see me. And sure enough, I thought he didn't see me, but he passes me up. And I was like, oh, thank you. And stops and he reverses the car back. And then he rolls down the window 
And he says, Manita, is that you? What are you doing outside with no shirt? With no shirt on. And I had to go and explain all of what happened. And what he did was he gave me the shirt off of his back. And I it was his sweater. I kept that sweater for I don't know how how long I kept that sweater because it blessed me and it smelled good. Um, I, I kept put on the sweater and he said, I'll be right back. And so what he did is drove to his mom's house and he didn't have on a shirt. He explained to his mom what happened. He got a jacket and another shirt, of course, and came back and. He let me sit in his car until my dad came home. Mm-hmm. And so I was just all, you know, excited and geeked. And I was like, can't believe he did that for me. I thought that was the sweetest thing. He gave me the shirt off his back, you know, and, and it was just a, it was, I felt an answer to God or answer to my prayer as I was outside and nobody even knew that I was out there. Wow. And, and it's the dead of winter and I'm cold and I'm in my bra and we're in and that was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so from there, from there, our friendship grew and we dated and hung out all the time and always had a good time. And so um, when I ended up getting um, pregnant and then, you know, they kicked me out and they let him stay in the organization. Um, difficult. Us getting married you know, and trying to work things out as a young couple, um, you know, after your brother, my my firstborn um, was was born. Um, it was difficult. Everything. So we just did the best that we could, um, given them circumstances, you know. No way. So you continue. Do you want to briefly explain like why? you had gotten kicked out of the organization, but dad didn't get kicked out. Yeah. So uh, when, uh, when you go through a situation as, as I did, as we did, um, what happened was, um, is that when you sin, you, you have to come before a group of men, um, and they sit down with you and deem if you are being repentant, repentive or not and they deemed me as not being repentive because of how many times I fornicated with my the father of my child who ended up you know being my husband and uh, you know they they felt that because of how many times it happened and I didn't tell on myself I got caught because I ended up getting pregnant so I got this fellowship we went to two different kingdom halls and so um, his kingdom hall decided, oh, this was the first time that he's gotten into any trouble. Um, and they felt that he was repentive, uh, repentant, and they decided to let him stay in. So I, I got kicked out. He stayed in. He really couldn't talk to me like that, but we managed. Um, I really talked to him more so on the weekends. Um, I would go to the, to the meetings and nobody would me because that's how they they have it set up um pregnant and everything people looking at me like I was a disease you know um my family was highly disappointed my dad was upset and crying 
You know, my mom was disappointed, my sisters, you know, the harsh things said to me. Um, and I just tried to manage it the best way I could. Um, like I said before, it was definitely bouts of suicide that I was dealing with, but I always stayed in prayer. I never really shared with everybody how much I prayed. Um, but I always would just, you know, just be talking to Jehovah, just like, man, you know, this is what the situation is. I just really need you to help me with this because I feel this way. And, and he's, he's heard and seen me cry plenty of times. So I knew he, the reason, the reason I was able to get through, I knew he was the reason because he gave me strength to endure everything that I was. And so that's, that's how I ended up um, making it through, but it was really devastating that, you know, I got kicked, he stayed in and, you know, it was, that was just it. Mm -hmm. That now was it. Do you feel like, you know, because of everything going on and, you know, obviously you mentioned like your relationship with your mom was kind of rough. Um, do you feel like you started to resent your home life as a teenager and with all these things going on? Um, I, I felt bad. I felt like everybody else had it better than I did. Um, or, you know, other kids, you know, you see other kids lives and you, you would think, you know, maybe it would be a little bit better if I was raised over there. Mm -hmm. Um, for a little while, I, I mean, I'm not, I will be honest for a lot, not a little, a lot, uh, of my, my, uh, young adulthood, I did resent my upbringing because I didn't understand why it couldn't have been better. Um, why it was so much struggle? Why why so much was taken on? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't understand a lot of things. Um, disappointed about, you know, a lot of things. Um, just wanting to get away. You know, I I thought it was a blessing when I got my first car. Um, my boyfriend who ended up being the father of my child, who ended up being my husband, you know, when it was time to purchase a car, you know, he was the one that stepped up and gave me the $200 to my 100 to purchase a $300 car from his friend. Mm -hmm. And it was a stick shift and I had to learn how to drive it. And, you know, eventually my dad came around to helping me, but, you know, he also taught me how to drive it too. Um, but but that was like a ticket to a little bit of freedom because you know I understand it the best that they could, but I really did not want to sometimes I didn't want to be around. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to be I didn't want to be around the people who attended the the kingdom hall sometimes, even though I had to, because I just felt some of it wasn't sincere. Some of it wasn't love, you know, some of them, you know, some of the behavior just was, I felt it was not of Christ. Mm -hmm. I felt it wasn't loving. Um, I felt that there was a lot of people that were not sincere and that they were phony. And uh, I felt that a lot of people looked down on our family. So I didn't be around those people. You mm -hmm. know, we, we had to get hand-me-downs sometimes and when we got hand-me-downs from other families and we would wear them to, you know, the hall, the same families would see us wearing their clothes and they would make fun. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, it's certain things that I just didn't want to deal with anymore. So when I became uh, a teenager and started working and going to high school and I would start buying my own clothes and, you know, I bought some clothes for my sister as well. And I just started doing things a little different to the best of my ability, but I was happy because then that just let me, it allowed me to just leave and get a little breath of fresh air, as I would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I didn't necessarily feel resentment for a long time, um, you know, to the point where it's like it, it just overtook me and, you know, I'm, I'm 45 and still hating it. No, I recognized it eventually that God allowed me to go through the pressure because he was allowing the diamond to be exposed. Amen. That's a good point. That's a great. And then um, this isn't on my list of questions, just something I was thinking about as you were talking. Um, You know, so I think that a lot of people find themselves in these situations, which makes your story more relatable. But do you think that because of your home life that when you met dad at that time, that that was like a void filler for you? I do. I do. Uh, The only... The natural human tendency or desires to want to be loved, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so sometimes what you, um, a young lady or, or young man, if they're not getting enough love at home, if they're not getting any love at home, they seek the love outside the home. Right. And so um, meeting your father, um, for me at that time, was what I've was the epitome of love what it what the example of love looked like to me what i knew it to be as a teenager and so it was you know he's nice to me he's taking me out we're spending time together he makes me laugh he really cares about me you know he's making sure that i'm taken care of you know um you know he's being supportive you know he's talking to me he's hugging on me he's kissing on me uh, you know, we can talk to the sun goes down, you know, we have these comment, you know, so that, that friendship evolved and it did at the time, the teenager that, that looked like what I thought love was to be, mm-hmm. but the genuine love that I was looking for that I was not aware of that I needed, nor did I know that it existed, was the love from my Heavenly Father. Right. So true. Because so, as a Jehovah's Witness, I don't think they really dive into that. No, it's, it's, it's touched on here and there, but it's, it's not really highlighted to the point where that's, that's who you really need to be focused on but boy, it needs to be explained deeper than just, you know, Jehovah loves you. Right. You know, song works like the more you do, you kind of feel like, you know, God sees you and is proud of you or something of that sort. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It it needs to be more, especially for, for young people, um, because you deal with so much and I, I feel for the, nowadays because it feel I feel that it's worse now than it was then when I was coming up mm-hmm. and um, and that's really I mean the rate of suicide is up 
young people are dealing with a lot of um, peer pressure from social media and so on. And so everybody wants to be, they have the desire to be loved, but they're looking for the real, the real form of love. And the only person that can truly give you that is our Lord and Savior, period. Amen. Our Lord and Savior. Humans can love, but they cannot love you the way God loves you. So true. That is so true. Wow. Yeah, that is definitely very deep. Mm -hmm. Start to um, look at people as like they're going to solve all your life's problems and things like that and fill that void. But that's something only God can do. Amen. Amen. And it's never to take away the credit of a human or people that love. It's just to say that, you know, when you the love that you're missing is really the love that only God can offer. You put things in perspective. You love and cherish the relationships that you have and the people you have in your life. But the ultimate source of true love that it makes you do better in every aspect of your life. Amen. It helps you to be the best, the best, uh, the best, um, the best copy of yourself, the best form of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it helps you to accomplish things more. It helps you treat people better. Um, it helps you operate better. Your health is better. Your mental state is better. Every, your spirituality is on point. Everything is better when you recognize where your true source of love really comes. Right. They're so on point. That is so true. Because otherwise you end up putting this weight on people that they cannot carry. Yeah, on people and other things. Mm-hmm. On people and other things. Right. You are so true. That's so correct. Mm-hmm. Of people and out of other things as well, mm-hmm. instead of turning to God. Absolutely, absolutely, so true. Mm-hmm. All of the questions that I have for you, though, because I know your teenagehood is very interesting, and there's a lot that goes into your adulthood, but we can't get into that one on this episode. So, yes. is there anything else that you feel that that the Lord wants you to share during this episode before we wrap this up? You know, I just think in summary, um, no matter what your trial, tribulation, test, testimony looks like, God is always molding us. He's the great, great uh, uh, potter. And he's always molding us to be what he created us to be. Mm hmm. So it doesn't matter what your testimony looks like. All of it will look ugly. But in the end, when it comes out, it's beautiful to glory. Amen. So just I hope that this podcast has blessed someone. We hope that it has blessed someone to just stay focused and stay at the feet of Jesus and pray to God and ask him. How can testimony glorify him? Yes, yes. Amen. This is yes. 
be good. I'm super excited as always for, you know, the next couple of episodes, but this one was really good. Yes, me too. I love it. I'm glad that we were able to finally sit down and get it done. And for all of you listening, we're going to really try our hardest to be more consistent because we know that's what God wants us to do, to be obedient and consistent in doing his work. Amen. Yes. So everyone, that is all that we have for you today in regards to the podcast. As mom said, you know, we are going to be more consistent going forward because that's what God is looking for. And, you know, when you're consistent with, you know, the visions that God given you, I feel like that's when he can really bless you because he sees that you're really trying. So we will be back to uploading every single Wednesday and we're just trying to get ahead of So, you know, forgive us if there's been any missed weeks or anything like that. You know, we do have a lot going on, but, you know, we Mm -hmm. are prioritizing and making sure we're putting the kingdom of God first in anything he's asked us to do. So just look out for, you know, the next couple of episodes of mom continuing to share her testimony and anything else that the Lord drops into our spirits. We'll make sure to be covering that as well. Um, If you don't already, just make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions or any future podcast uh, suggestions or ideas or anything, just feel free to let us know and make sure you really share this with somebody who you feel will encourage because we've got a lot going on in the world today. And like I've said before, mom, your story is very relatable and very powerful. So if you guys yeah. are, no, don't listen by yourself, make sure that you share this with somebody so that someone yeah. can from hearing this as well. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So that is all for you guys. Um, Sorry, mom, was there anything else you wanted to say? No, no, we're all good. I'm thankful we were able to do it. We'll keep it going and there. All right. Sounds good. Okay, guys, we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you so much. Um, God bless you guys. And once again, remember that you are chosen, treasured and loved by God. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye, guys. Enjoy your week.